imposing grandeur, the quality or state of being impressive or awesome. purpose of studying theology or reading books, it's, it's not to gain our own intellect, but rather it is to bring us to Him. Because when you see how holy and how majestic our Creator is, the more you worship Him. He is our imposing grandeur. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Imposing Grandeur Radio. Um, this is part three of our Where We've Been series. Um, it's our third and final part. We, If you haven't tuned into the past two episodes, we've just been talking about where we've been the past summer and during our break and um, what the Lord has been teaching us during that time. Um, Avery shared about some sufferings that she's experienced this past summer and I highly encourage listening to that um, as well. And I just shared about living in a transition season. And Alexa has a lot in store for us today that she's going to share as well. So to kick things off, ladies, um, Alexa, I'd like to throw it over to you and ask, so how would you even describe the events of this past summer? Yes. And like Annie was saying, if you guys haven't listened to Avery's episode and Annie's episode that are previous to this one, I highly recommend you go back and listen to those because they are just very encouraging. They're encouraging to me. And um, this is going to kind of touch on both of their episodes. So I don't want to, this is a, a spoiler alert, but yeah, it's interesting looking back on this summer. I don't know if you girls would describe it the same way, but it's almost like there has been a pot of so many different emotions, you know, and for each experience of summer that I would classify as an utter joy, there seemed to be this like repercussion of grief following because the situation just changed so drastically almost like you were in a hot tub and then jumped right back into the cold pool and that's really how it felt it was like shocks to the system Avery had mentioned us being able to visit Annie in Kentucky in the beginning of the summer and that was a really sweet time to celebrate because that was around the time that we got the news that Avery was pregnant and it's funny, Annie was pregnant at this moment too, but we had no idea, which is funny. We ended up finding out when we all left. But of course, I mean, those memories of celebration together are still so sweet. But as you can imagine, it was devastating when we heard the news of the miscarriage. And it was, in fact, like I said, a shock to our system in many respects. And although I am not carrying this child, so I truly don't know the depth of emotion in which Avery has felt along with the emotion that so many other moms have experienced, I felt like, and Annie felt like, in many respects, we lost somebody that we truly loved and we fervently prayed for. Um, someone that we have never met, but who we already bought gifts for and even a shirt for, um, Annie and I bought a shirt that said cool aunt <laughs> on it. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so there was, there was joyful preparation, but what was joyful preparation was like cut in this tragic halt. And that morning for all of us, it really lingered on the entire summer and even now. But another moment that sticks out to me this past summer was a trip. I was able to go on to Nairobi, Kenya, and this was my first time in Africa. And it just like it truly blew me away. And since being back, I've referred to it as the most spiritually fulfilling trip I've ever been on, and I truly have never felt 
how I did while I was there. We were able to work in the slums and God gave everyone on my team such a boldness to proclaim the gospel to ears that could hear, as the Bible would say. The people were so spiritually thirsty. And for my team, there was such an intense focus for the mission of reaching the lost. And for those of you who have been on mission trips, you know how easy the temptation is for it to become more of a vacation. But this trip was so life-giving in the sense that Everyone had a burden for the people that we encountered and were so determined to share the gospel to whoever we met. So we leave early and then come back late at night. We'd be so dirty from the long day, but so, so full. And unfortunately, I can't share all the details on this podcast because we only have so much time. But if you would like to hear more about the stories about what we did, people I encountered specifically, conversations we got to have, etc., go to our Instagram imposing grandeur click the link tree in our bio and you will see a link for an episode from true light radio which is a podcast i am also a host of um but don't worry imposing grandeur radio is my first love um it's for my school and i was able to share some more detailed thoughts pertaining to the trip on there but i digress you may be thinking wow uh alexa that trip sounds pretty incredible not sure why you're talking about it as it pertains to suffering and it's funny like i honestly debated even talking about this because i know only a handful of people will really be able to relate to it which avery you may have felt the same way knowing that people can only resonate with how you truly have felt to an extent you know and the people who deeply resonate are those who walked through it themselves right so for me the peculiar feeling that I felt was this reverse culture shock upon returning from Africa. I truly, and you guys can attest to this, I truly could not talk about what I had seen or experienced without crying. Like I was so broken for the people that I had met in the slums and I felt guilty for returning to a well-off lifestyle when people that I was able to love and was met with love in return were all homeless and sick in the slums. Two of the girls in particular who I was who I was able to share the gospel with were homeless and slept with 20 other girls on the side of a road in clusters to keep themselves warm. They -hmm. all had bronchitis. No parents were with them. They were looking for work and were met by the surrounding area with hostility. And since they're homeless, the men in the area don't like them because they claim that they trash their area. So they steal from these girls who are only ages 14 to 18. They rape them and abuse them at night. Those two girls, praise the Lord, surrendered their life to Christ in front of me, and I was able to connect them with IMB missionaries and a church before we left. But that is only one of the many experiences that I was able to have, and yet it stuck with me when I came home, especially at night, you know, the time when I knew the girls were experiencing most of their abuse from those around them. But I came back to my own room. You know, I came back to my own bed. I had a roof over my head and a fridge full of food, a cabinet with medicine if I were to ever get sick with bronchitis or any other sickness, all of which are blessings from the Lord. But I felt when I returned so undeserving and I really struggled and I could not forget what I saw. And I'm not, I know I'm not supposed to, you know, God is purposeful. God allowed me to see that in order to mobilize those around me and to continue to break my heart for others. Um, but again, if you would like to listen more regarding that, check out the other podcast episode where I expound on that guilt that I had felt, but not only that, um, but I also had returned to a not so exciting season of life, which many listeners can probably relate to. Um, and Annie, I know you touched upon in your, your episode, but for those of you who are currently in, or maybe have walked through that awkward transitional season, you know, a season that isn't by any means your end goal, 
but a necessary part of that angle and a season in which God has called you to live in and give him glory during, it's a whole, it's very, very, very sanctifying. Um, There's a lot of loneliness. There's a lot of questions that are unanswered. You know, there's this daily sacrifice of living by faith and fighting for contentment when you cannot see what your life will look like by this time next year or even next month. And for planners like myself, it's extremely uncomfortable sometimes. Um, So to go from feeling like I was on the, quote, ivy of life in Africa, which is how I described it, to then have the ivy of life ripped from me on top Mm. of a culture shock, it was a lot. You know, there was a lot of processing, a lot of pouring my heart out to God. And yet, you know, a lot of mercy met me. The pouring out of love by God was just relentless. And my confusion was welcomed and met with grace. It was a summer of wrestling. And maybe you're listening to this and you're wrestling too. You know, we don't mm. we don't assume that we're the only ones going through any of these experiences or any of these emotions. Maybe Maybe you're grieved. Maybe you're confused, heartbroken, lost, feel detached, or even abandoned by God. All feelings that I've personally felt, and I know Annie and Avery have felt too. And as a side note, can I just say, when you feel like that, tell God about it. You know, pour your heart out to him. He already knows what you're feeling. So tell him about it. You know, come to him trembling. Come to him with a messy, tear-soaked face and yesterday's PJ still on. Yeah. I love that, Alexa. Thank you for sharing that. And your testimony in this summer has continued to encourage me. And so I'm really thankful to just hear again just what God has done. And um, I wondered, is there a specific passage or resource God used to encourage you while processing all of these feelings? Yeah. Um, one morning, actually, in particular, while I was thinking about this summer and all that had happened, I'm a really big processor. Um And that's just something like if I feel a certain emotion, I like to just think about like, why am I feeling this, you know, and get to the root of the problem and, and try to like combat that or fill that with truth. But while I was thinking about the emotions that I had, along with the emotions that dear friends of mine, like you guys have experienced, I had one of those moments, you know, like just a pouring one's heart out to God, desperately trying to make any sense out of everything. And it was during this time that the Lord brought me to John 11 Um, the passage where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Highly recommend to go back if you're listening to this and read that passage at some point today, especially after we talk about it briefly. Um, And for all my friends out there who are listening and are struggling in any capacity, let me just share with you what God showed me while reading. And for those of you who don't know the story, the summary of the story is as follows. So Jesus gets word that someone he dearly loves, Lazarus, is deathly ill. Lazarus dies. Jesus raises him from the dead. Okay. But it's what happens between all of this that makes the story even more profound, which we'll talk about. Um, And it was through this story in between that God gave me the following realizations while I was trying to make sense of both my emotions and what I knew to be true. And maybe you're listening and you can relate to this. The first realization is this. Suffering hits more deeply when I have a human view of God's love. Mm. Um, Number two. If I have a human view of God's love, then it is dangerously easy to feel overlooked by God. Number three, Mm -hmm. while feeling overlooked by God, there then is this strong temptation to look primarily to what is seen and not what God could be doing slash is doing through the unseen. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we don't want to think that we're susceptible to any of these bullet points. 
I mean, we're Christians, right? Like we don't struggle at all. And that was a joke. Um, but reflecting <laughs> on these points, because we very much, we very much struggle. Um, but by reflecting on these points, it's like eating kale. You know, it tastes nasty. It's hard to swallow, but it's really good for their system. And they're so necessary to acknowledge, address, and confront. And after all, the enemy loves planting little doubts like this, which causes us not to approach the Lord. You know, we get caught up in subconsciously thinking in a perspective that isn't true. And then that inevitably leads us to seeking for things, other things to satisfy us and comfort us. So looking specifically at verses five through six, it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now we look at this and it doesn't make any sense to us. Jesus loved Lazarus, right? Then why would he not leave immediately to save him? Why would he wait two extra days? He didn't spare Martha or Mary from their grief, pain, and misery. He showed up days later on purpose when Lazarus had already died, was wrapped, and placed in a tomb. You know, what kind of love is that? Surely it isn't how we ourselves define love. And yet, it says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus back in verse 5. John Mm -hmm. Piper, when talking about this passage, defines God's love in this way. Love is doing whatever you need to do to help people see and savor the glory of God in Christ forever and ever. Love keeps God central. Mm -hmm. Now, think for a moment with me, going back to the events that we had talked about and even the events that may be happening right now in your own life. Could it be that God loves us so much as to strip us away from people we dearly love to wholly rely on him more? Mm -hmm. Is it possible that God loves us so deeply as to place us in uncomfortable seasons of life that require us to live by faith and trust in him more fully? Could it be that God loves us in such a way that he allows grief in our life in order for us to see his all-satisfying majesty on display, proving himself to be more glorious than anything we could have ever lost? There Mm. is sin in this world. We will feel lonely, uncomfortable, grieved, and hurt, but God is a God of redemption. Sin does not have the last word. But it is when we dwell on the scene when life doesn't make much sense at all. You know, on the surface, our struggles seem meaningless, unnecessarily difficult, and no light seems to be present at the end of the tunnel. You know, my heart swells when I read Martha's words in verse 21. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Hmm. And I find myself resonating with her, and maybe you do too. Do you hear the emotion in that, that sentence? God, where are you? Why is this happening? Why am I experiencing so much grief and suffering? I thought you loved me. Tears, feeling abandoned, dismayed at current events, confusion, constantly asking why. And yet from the very beginning, God knew what he was doing. It says in verse four, when Jesus heard of it, Lazarus dying, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. You know, 2 Corinthians Mm -hmm. speaks about the affliction we will inevitably face in this life. It calls it a light and momentary affliction. Not to Mm -hmm. discredit any emotion that we may have, but to paint the finite picture for us. This pain that we are experiencing, this pain that you are experiencing will not last forever. Compared to eternity, it is light. It is momentary. There is a lace of optimism found not only in the suffering itself, but in the product of the suffering. Because as believers, we know that there is more than what we see. 
What is going on in the unseen realm? Well, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18 gives us an idea as to what's happening while we obediently suffer. It says, this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And that word transient, it's interesting. I was looking it up in the Greek and the word itself is translated as transitory or for an occasion. So here we are talking about the awkward transitional seasons of life (laughs) when in reality, our entire existence in this lifetime is itself transitory. It's temporal. You know, this world is not our home. We are sojourners passing through to get to our real home. And until then, may we suffer well with the strength that God has given us because we in and of ourselves do not possess that ability. May we look not to this life. Let us look to what we know is eternal and take heart in that transient suffering as we obediently follow Christ through it all. And he is faithful to lead as he cares for us through it all. You know, for such a pain suffering can bring, it truly brings us the greatest joy that we can ever experience because the greatest thing that we could ever experience is God in the midst of our own suffering. He leans in close, listens tenderly to our confusion, and is patient with our struggle. He is so, so good to us. And as hard and as tragic as the summer has been, not only for us, but maybe for you listening as well, God is actively working for our good and his glory. You as listeners can attest, he has brought so much joy through this suffering in so many different ways. Like Avery herself said, it would be hard to count all of them. You know, he has allowed us to walk in such a dark road together, but in the end, he has drawn us so much closer to him and allowed us to resonate and encourage others who are walking that same road. Hmm. Wow. That's beautiful. Oh, yeah. That was really, really um, encouraging. And um, to kind of wrap things up, I guess I'll just ask, is there anything else that you would like to share regarding what God has been teaching you? I mean. That was a lot, and yeah, I am super thankful that you shared it. But is there anything else that you would want to add to that before we wrap things up? Yeah, believe it or not, he's taught me more. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, he continually, daily continues to teach me. But and I know he continues to teach you guys too. And that's just <laughs> the beauty of having a relationship with a God who is all knowing and all powerful, right? But yeah. um. As we wrap up this episode, I do want to close just with one other thing um, that God has put on my heart. I have found that the enemy almost works overtime during our suffering. That's something that I've just observed. And I think like you both can attest to that. You know, he tries to plant seeds of abandonment in our mind and he wants us to feel forgotten or overlooked by God. And as a result of believing this lie, we ourselves tend to disconnect ourselves from the sweet fellowship with him which is the one thing that we need most. And the enemy knows that. Um, But with that thought in mind, God brought me to Isaiah 49 one morning, which says in verse 14, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Does that sound familiar? Like just first of all, like the nation of Israel has experienced a great deal of suffering. And this acted kind of like as a summary of their lament. You know, they're saying, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. And that's, we we have the tendency so often to express that ourselves. You know, God has 
abandon me. I am forgotten because my life is so horrible right now. You cannot tell me that God is still with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the following is the Lord's response to this concern. In verses 15 through 16, he says, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son in her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. And this verse Mm -hmm. just like brought me to tears when I was reading it. And it illuminates our God as Elroy, the God who sees. So Mm -hmm. he is there with you. He sees you as the palm of his hand is visible. And even more so is your life and struggles to him. And as an encouragement to myself, I had written, Isaiah 49, 16 on the palm of my hand with henna one night, and I drew a heart around it as a daily reminder. Mm -hmm. And as I was looking at my hand, I was immediately drawn to how tender of a spot that was. You know, all my fingers surrounding it and the skin was just moved as the movement of my fingers carried. And it was always touched. It was always visible. You know, God didn't say, I have written you on the back of my neck or the bottom of my foot. He uses this imagery of the palm for specific and intimate reasons. And this reminder gave me so much comfort as I was reminded of the gentle and strong hands that hold me, that hold you, and that hold all of our listeners. Um, And so I'm praying for those of you who are listening that through all of these three Where Have We Been episodes that you were emboldened, encouraged, and reminded of God's great love and care even in the midst of suffering. Man. Thank you so much, Alexa, yeah. for sharing. I mean, I'm trying mm-hmm. not to cry again. I feel like I did plenty of that in the last episode. But, I'm um, crying over here. <laughs> but it is, it's just such a moving truth. Mm-hmm. And that verse is just, mm-hmm. it, it like hits you for the person that's going through all the stuff that you just described or the thoughts. Mm-hmm. That verse, it just hits oh, you. Yeah. Like, oh, it brought me to tears. When I read that, I was like weeping. I was like, God, you knew I needed to read this. So I just, <laughs> I had to, because I know that there are people listening that need to hear that too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing with us again and encouraging us again. And I know these are truths that we will I mean, since these three episodes, we'll learn this over and over again through our lifetimes. And so I look forward to going back and listening to these one day. And I know we'll find ourselves in yet another season of trusting him through suffering. And so this is not the end of this lesson. This is not, um, you know, the start of a mountaintop where we'll never see a valley again. But this is truth that needs to be replayed daily on our hearts and in our minds. And these are Things that we need just as much in seasons of joy, too. Like, I want us to be recounting these things even as we enter seasons of, like, wow, God is God has blessed us. God has answered these prayers we've had for years or whatever that looks like. Um, so we hope that whether you're in a season of, of joy or a season where we have been this summer in sorrow in a lot of ways, that you're encouraged either way because this is truth that applies to all of us always. In as long as we live on this earth and um, mm-hmm. part of sanctification and um, thankful that God walks before us and, and goes with us in it, no matter mm-hmm. what that looks like for each person. Mm-hmm. Amen. And uh, to close us out of this, where we have been series, I want to read first Peter four nineteen. It says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will and trust their souls to their faithful creator while doing good. Mm. So 
That's good. You're going to suffer. That's not normal or that that is normal. And mm-hmm. you have a faithful creator that you can entrust your soul to. Mm-hmm. And um, I pray that through hearing all of our testimonies, that is something that you feel has bolstered your faith and that you can do um, in Christ, obviously. So um, with that being said, we will hear y'all later as we pick up, or we'll talk to y'all later <laughs> as we uh, pick up our Fruits of the Spirit series. I think we're doing goodness next. Woo. So tune in. Bye, guys. Later. See you guys there. <laughs>